0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right. Good morning. Thank you. I bless all of you. Glad to see you here in the first service. I welcome all of you. You know, just some thoughts going across me right now. Again, I, I hear reports that it was a very, very good first week of school. And so I, I believe here in a minute, we're just going to pray that this continues. And then we, we are really in a need of rain in our, in our area, just in the natural. So we're going to pray for that. But I, I'm going to challenge you too. I, I think our nation, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, but our, our nation is in a need of a great move of God. And the Lord said there in Second Chronicles, he said, when my people who are called by my name will humble and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. I'll heal your land. And so I'm, I'm going to pray, but also I'm going to pray that the spirit of truth moves in our nation. And so once not you just bow your head with me. Let's go before the Lord. Father God, we thank you for another great week. We thank you for blessing all our students, our teachers, the ones that rise up and go to work throughout the week. Thank you for watching over us. We thank you that... The name of Jesus is the name even above the coronavirus, Lord, that you promised to have your angels encamped about us and watch over us and protect us, and we thank you for a, another great week as ones go to school and work, and Father God, as your children, we, we ask you for this entire region to not only rain on us spiritually, Father God, but rain on our land with natural rain, and we give you glory and honor, and Father God, we lift up our nation today. Lord, we say, God bless America. Move in our land. And Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, we welcome you from coast to coast and border to border. Move in our land, Father God. Move in a godly way. All for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, yeah, you can clap to the Lord. (laughs) I I encourage you to keep praying on those lines. Just give God the opportunity to move. If you're a visitor, I welcome you here today. I'm going to begin this morning in the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14, we are on our sixth week on the series, The Blessing, and I don't know, we're going to keep going for quite a while longer, so we'll just keep seeing the scriptures on this. You know, what, what I've found in life is you, you cannot effectively change your behavior without changing your heart. And the only way I changed my heart is the Lord Jesus got over this into uh, John 3 with a man named Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. So when I get born again, not only does it move me eternally into a place of salvation, but it begins to change my perspective of life. I, I realize there's more to just life than going through the motions that God has plans for every one of us. So John chapter 14... Verse 6, and if you'll notice here, this is the Lord Jesus talking. And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way to God. I am the truth. The truth for what you've searched for. And I am the life that you've longed for. Now, in verse 6, on four different times, he's going to use the word the. The way, the truth, the life. And and so Jesus isn't a way. Jesus isn't a truth. And Jesus isn't a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, there's no other. And he ends verse 6 and he says something really interesting. No one comes to the Father except through me. No no one comes to the Father. No one can be exempt to come to the Father, but any other way through Jesus. Now, I highlight the word come there because when you see that, he gives me and you an opportunity, my will, my choice to come to the Lord. It doesn't say he's going to tie you up, he's going to force you, but you have the opportunity to come to Jesus and to the Father through the Son. Now, what happens here, and I'm going to use these, these flower pots just a little bit, Before you give your heart to Jesus, the soil of your heart is full of weeds. This is how our heart looks right here. Just got weeds. And what happens with those weeds is they choke the truth of God out of our life. We live with no purpose. But when you give your heart to Jesus, he he puts you in, in your heart into a whole new perspective. It says in 2 Corinthians 5... If any man be in Christ, old things have passed away. All things have become new in him. So he gives me this new heart and, and this new nature and everything changes. But as I go through this thing called life, even born again, that if I disobey God or I get into sin and I don't repent of it, even though my heart is born again, sin starts rising up. And this sin in my life, when I don't repent of it, The weeds begin to try to choke out the truth that God's already put in you. So the power of repentance is this, that when I repent of my sin and I ask Jesus to wash me and forgive me, every time you repent sincerely and ask Jesus to wash you and forgive you, he just starts taking those back out. And he keeps you in line with him. And he keeps your relationship open with him. That's the significance of number one, being born again. But number two, as a Christian, repent. Say, Father God, change my heart. I don't want to live that way. So we begin to see some things immediately here. You got to be born again. Now, turn with me to the book of Exodus 20. And I'm going to be in a lot of the Old Testament to start here, and then we'll move back into the New Testament. The book of Exodus, chapter 20. Now, if you're a a scholar of the Word of God or you love to read the Word of God, you realize Exodus 20 is where the Ten Commandments are. So we dive right into the Ten Commandments. Now, this has been one of our major scripture texts in this entire series. So we start in verse 5. Exodus 20, verse 5. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. He's talking about idols. Anything that would replace God. He said, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Now there's some nuggets of truth right there in there. The only one I'm to bow down to and the only one I'm to serve is the Lord Jesus. I'm not going to bow down and I'm not going to serve idols. I'm going to bow before Jesus and I'm going to serve Jesus. And something happens when I begin to do that. He goes on to say, For I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God. Visiting or punishing the iniquity of the fathers. Now, we've talked about this word iniquity. And again, what happens with these iniquities is they are spiritual dynamics that are handed down through the bloodline. The iniquities of the fathers. So when I say spiritual dynamics, my spiritual genetics, uh, uh, my, my spiritual DNA, it is handed down through the fathers. Now remember when we talk about the word iniquity, it means to bend into a certain way, a certain direction. I, I saw a big pine tree yesterday and that pine tree was bending just this way. You could tell the predominant winds were from the southwest. So day after day, year after year, that tree began to bend in that direction. This is the same with generational iniquities. That there's certain sins that are in my bloodline that have been handed down. How long? He says, visiting the iniquities of the Father upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. So he goes on to say, to those who hate me, or don't live for me, or don't obey me. Now, this is what happens with generational iniquities. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, 22 says, the iniquities of a wicked man will ensnare him. So right here, he begins to give me an insight that I can be dominated by generational iniquities that's been handed down generation after generation. Now, I don't need a show of hands But I believe this pertains to every one of us in here. There's stuff generationally that is handed down. That's the bad news. You want to see the good news? Verse 6. But, nevertheless, showing mercy to the thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Yeah, you can amen on that. And I'm telling you, there's a great, great truth right there in that verse that God said or God made a provision that that those generational iniquities don't have to go forward, but what it's going to take is his mercy that's shown to the thousands to who? Those who choose to love God and obey God. So the opposite can take effect through Christ Jesus And the blessings to future generations, they are actually promised or assured to me and you if I'll obey him and love him with all my heart. Does that mean I'm going to have to be perfect? No, none of us are going to be perfect. But it does go back to this, that when I do blow it, i got to keep my heart in line. And so we serve a God that's a God of blessings. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you and your family. Now, turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, and what we're doing is we're just reviewing just a little bit each week to to keep these thoughts in there. So, back in Genesis 4, we know this is right after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. Adam and Eve have children. They have a, a son named Abel and a son named Cain. Remember... Abel was a rancher and Cain was a farmer and we know through a few weeks ago that they both knew something in their heart or they'd been taught that God was to be honored and so Abel honored God with his giving but Cain didn't and Cain became furious he got angry now I'm going to start here in verse 7 and we ended here a few weeks ago but it says to, to Cain if you do well if you do well, if you do what I've asked you to do, will you not be accepted? In other words, he was telling Cain, right, your wrong. Do, do what I've asked you to do. Now, remember there in, in Exodus 20, verse 6, he says, Showing mercy to the thousands, to those who love me and obey me. So God is trying to get Cain to a place to obey God, and so he goes on to say, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And remember the, the word sin here, it, it uh, son, personifies sin is like the devil crouched down waiting to pounce on him. And it's like he's saying, because of your choices to right your wrong. You you can stop this from happening, but if you don't, look at the end of verse 7. And its desire is for you, toward you, but you should rule over it. So, right here, he gives Cain the opportunity to repent and do what's right. Now, let me ask you something. When you're confronted with your sin or disobedience, how do you respond? Do I become angry? Do I become defensive? Or am I humble and broken and say, Father God, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to do wrong. See, this is what happens to Cain. And God gives him chances over and over. So look what he does in verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel and his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. Wow. Wow. He did just the opposite of what God asked him to do and so the the, the weeds of these sin they got in his heart and these weeds begin to choke out the things of God and Cain wasn't exempt from it and me and you aren't exempt from it verse number nine then the Lord said to Cain where is Abel your brother and he said I do not know when my brought my brother's keeper trying to give him the opportunity to come clean and repent. Verse 10, so he said, what have you done? Now real, real close attention, this is where we're gonna hone in some this morning. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So we see something in this passage that the blood speaks. That the blood has a voice. And if you'll notice what he said, the blood of your brother cries out to the creator. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to Father God. So in this situation right here, we see real quick that the blood has a voice. I'm going to take you to a scripture, and I'm not going to turn there. Hebrews 12, 24. Listen to what this says. The blood of Jesus continues to speak from heaven. Mercy and forgiveness. The blood of Jesus continues to speak. So what happens with us is is I'm going to allow the blood of Jesus to be my representation, that I allow the blood of Jesus to speak on my behalf. And if I don't, the blood or the sin of mankind cries out. And so when it begins to cry out here, it's literally meaning that Father God, the great judge, he's got to render a verdict Based on the witness. Well, the witness against Cain was his brother's blood that was crying out. And so, because Cain would never repent, God judged him and had to render a verdict. What was the verdict? Verse number 11. So now you are cursed from the earth. Better stated. You are under a curse. Keep reading. You are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. You shall be a vagabond, a wonder, a degraded outcast, for the remainder of your life. So you begin to see something here. The significance of the blood. Turn with me to the book of Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus. Genesis. Exodus. And then Leviticus. And, and as you're turning there. Just remember this passage here. That, that Father God said to him. Your, blood, your brother's blood cries out to me. Now. Life is in the blood. Every one of us, we've got to realize, and if you've never figured that out, life is in the blood. How many of you have ever heard this statement before? He bled to death. When we lose our blood, we die. We've got to have blood. So listen here in Leviticus 17, verse 11, just one verse. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. We understand this physically. Without the blood, you're not going to make it. And so the significance of the blood to mankind in the natural is this is why we have blood banks and blood donors. And even right now, they'll have blood drives. Why? Because without blood, there is no life. But that's just not on the physical. Watch this as we keep reading. For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your sins or your souls. So the word atonement here means to cover your sin, to purify, to make you right with the Lord. And so what Father God did, he made, he made forgiveness of sin possible only because of the blood. So the blood makes atonement for the soul. It's the same for the human life. So what this is talking about, guys, in the Old Testament, once a year the high priest would go into a place called the Holy of Holies. He was the only one that would allow was allowed to go in. And he would bring in animals and they would sacrifice these animals at the blood of the altar. And it was for the atonement of the people. And so that that atonement, that once a year thing, it worked for just a year. And year after year, the high priest would have to come in over and over every year and offer the blood of animals for the atonement to cover for mankind's sin. But God did something supernatural when he brought the Lord Jesus in. And when he brought the Lord Jesus in, the new covenant is in Christ's blood. And it fulfilled the requirements of the Old Testament covenant. So what Jesus did, he said, I'll offer my blood once and for all. And so what happens is when we begin to come underneath the blood of Jesus, his blood speaks on my behalf. His blood speaks on your behalf. You know what the blood of Jesus says? When I come underneath the blood, it says forgiven. It says washed. Now, turn with me into the New Testament to the book of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I encourage you, if you're a good note taker, get your pen out here. Because in this chapter right here, there's going to be some incredible truths It'll begin to show you what happens with the blood of Jesus. Romans 3, verse 21. But now, not when we get to heaven, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Better stated here is when you see the word righteousness... Jesus puts us in right standing with Father God without having to keep the Old Testament law and the prophets. So if you go back and you were to read the the law which Moses talked about and then the law of the prophets, you know what happened? Man couldn't do them. Man couldn't obey them. And so Father God realized that, that through all the law and the prophets, mankind would never be in a right standing with God because we couldn't do it. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, the right standing of God, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So he's telling you here, he's made a way for you to be right with God. And how was that going to take place? Through faith in Jesus Christ. I've got to believe what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he said, through faith in Jesus Christ, to who? To all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. So you know what that tells me? It doesn't matter what you've done. It's to all and for all. Other words meaning Jesus paid a price for every one of us, and in your life and my life, I get the opportunity to choose, do I receive what Jesus died for me to have, or do I not? Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? All. You know what that tells me? Every one of us in this sanctuary right now, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So to help us, we as a whole, we got a problem and we have a sin problem. And it's always funny to me to hear people try to clarify or classify our sin problems. Well, that's a little sin or that's a big sin. Sin is sin. No matter how you want to classify it, okay? And again, you may say, well, I may be a liar, but he's a murderer. Well, either way, you're a sinner. We're all sin. So guess what he just told us? We're all on even ground. Verse 24. Being justified. The word justified means that I have right standing with God because of Jesus let me let me give you a little easier definition of the word justified just if i'd never sinned brilliant pastor justified just if i had never sinned so that's what Jesus does when I, I get born again and give, me, give, give my heart to him. And, and at one time, this is how my heart looked and this is how your heart looked. But when I give my heart to Jesus, it's just if I would have never sinned. Now, this is how Jesus sees you. This isn't how you, Jesus sees you. This is how Jesus sees us. But too many times we get born again and we still see ourselves this way. But pastor, you don't know what I've done. Well, if I read the Bible correctly, you've sinned, and so have I sinned. But he justified me, and how did he justify me? Freely or without any cost. And when it says without any cost, you know what that means? To me and you. There was a huge cost. Huge cost. And we're going to get into how huge it was here in just a second. So he said, being justified freely by his grace. Woo! Now we throw in another word. That's why if you're a good note taker, there are several words in this verse that are just incredible. And so when we see justified freely by his grace, God has acquitted us with undeserved kindness. Well, I I don't know that I deserve to be forgiven. I don't know that I deserve to be saved. Let me tell you a secret. None of us deserve to be it. We've just been blessed by Jesus. God says, I'm going to grace you. I'm going to grace you. So he says, and being justified freely by his grace through redemption. Now the word redemption means you were repurchased. There was a price paid for you. So by the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, there's no other way to be redeemed except through Christ Jesus. I receive you, Jesus, into my heart. I welcome you as Lord. Verse 25. Whom God set forth as a propitiation. Now that's a crazy word right there. As a propitiation. Some translations will say on this, the mercy seat. When it talks about propitiation, it means the appeasement of the divine wrath by a sacrificial offering. The Greek word for propitiation is the only saving solution to the fact of God's wrath against sin. So some translation will call propitiation the mercy seat of God. The mercy seat of God. How does that happen? By his blood through faith. So just as I receive Jesus by faith as Lord of my life, I receive his blood the same way. I imagine, I thank you, Lord, your blood is washing my heart. It's cleansing me. And he goes on to say this. To demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over. God has released the sins that were previously committed. Oh, you missed a great opportunity to shout. He passed over. He passed over the sins that you have previously committed. Now, you know what God desires for each one of us to do? That I admit, Father God, I've sinned. I've sinned. And I thank you because the blood of Jesus, you've passed over all my sin. Now, this is huge with what the blood of Jesus does. So, when we look at all this takes place, in a court of law, a judge can only render a verdict based on the witness or the evidence. And so, when I give my heart to Jesus and I come under the blood of Jesus, it's like Jesus becomes my, my attorney, my advocate. He represents me. And, and the devil will begin to accuse you and say, well, they've done this and they've done this and they've done this. And Father God, the great judge, he says, well, we're going to have to cross-examine this. And so I don't have to say a word in the situation. Jesus, rise up because he's Lord of my life. And you know what Jesus does? When the devil accuses us, Jesus, he lifts up his robe. And he presents the scars on his back. And he does his nail prints. And he shows him the piercing of his side. And guess what? We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So I'm seated right there with the Lord Jesus. And all of a sudden I hear, Father God, take the gavel and go, innocent. And when God says innocent, that means all charges are dropped and removed forever. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. So in a nutshell, this is what this is talking about right here. So I allow the blood of Jesus to represent me. I don't plead my case. I don't plead my cause. I don't plead how holy and righteous I am. I plead the blood of Jesus. And so if God ever says, what do you have to say about it? I say, "I I just plead the blood, Your Honor. I just plead the blood. One last scripture. The book of First Peter, chapter one. First Peter chapter one. Now, as you're turning there, it's way back there in the back, right after James. Remember, all of us have sinned. But it said he passed over our sins because of Jesus. So when you receive Jesus as Lord of your life and you begin to understand, woo, the faith, then the blood. I tell you, one of the greatest things you can do, wash me, Father God. Wash me in the blood. Wash my eyes. Wash my tongue. Wash my thoughts in the blood. Oh, Lord Jesus, cleanse me. Now, I'm just going to read verses 18 and 19. I encourage you to read forward and backwards in this passage. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed, you were not repurchased, with corruptible things or perishable things. You were not redeemed with corruptible things. And look what he says the corruptible things were. He said like silver and gold. Now when I think about silver and gold, sometimes when you hear those words silver and gold, they'll be attached to these words. But those are precious metals. We understand this, that in our society, in our time, man, you got, you got silver and gold. You got money. You got wealth. But he said, you weren't redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold. And you almost hold your breath as a human being and think, Man, those are valuable. Those are precious metals. So look what he goes on to say. From your aimless conduct. From your aimless conduct. Your empty and futile way of life. Get your pen out, okay? Received by tradition from your fathers. So right here in the New Testament... You see the generational curse right there. He said, the aimless conduct was handed down to you from who? From your fathers. From your fathers. Verse 19. But, there it is. Nevertheless, with the precious blood of Christ... Now, oftentimes we would look at silver and gold and we'd say, man, that's precious. But the precious blood of Christ. So here on earth, one of the highest things we would look at would be gold and silver, but it doesn't even come close to the blood of the Lord Jesus. You know how inexpensive gold is in heaven? The streets are paved with it. Gold in heaven is just like asphalt. It's not that big of a deal to Father God. But the thing that speaks in heaven? The precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The incorruptible blood of Jesus. So what does the incorruptible blood of Jesus do for me? It forgives me from my aimless conduct. Have you ever had aimless conduct, Pastor? Oh yeah, I got a list of that. Until I begin to repent of it, then I I, I realize Jesus has took that. So the precious blood of Jesus speaks against my aimless conduct, and the precious blood of Jesus also is greater than the traditions that were handed down from my fathers. And so as I begin to look at this right here, you know what I realize? The blood of Jesus speaks to this day. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's victory in the name of Jesus. There's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And so if I come before God... And the only way I get rid of those aimless conduct, I repent. And I say, Father God, forgive me. But even the traditions of my fathers, if I would repent of those and say, Ooh, I, I come under the blood of the Lamb. I let the blood of Jesus cleanse me. It opens the door to things in my life that you may have thought, I could never walk in those. You can't in your own ability, but you sure can with the blood of Jesus. So I stay under the blood. I continue to stay under the blood day after day after day. And I'm going to ask you to stand up this morning. Thank you. And the Word of God is so powerful. Oh, blood, 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 blood. So it's significant. As the blood is in the natural to life here on the earth. That's how significant the blood of Jesus is in heaven. Ooh, the blood of Jesus. So let me ask you a couple questions today. Is this how your heart looks today? Just full of weeds? go through life but I, I really don't have any purpose and I, I remember as an 18 year old just being a royal mess and I remember saying this there's got to be more to life than how I'm living so I'll never forget the day that they begin to tell me that a man named Jesus died for me and it was hard for me to comprehend that someone would die for me take my sins, but what happened is when I gave my heart to Jesus that day, I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. That wasn't the ending point, that was the starting point. And I'll never forget the day I gave my heart to Jesus. I didn't didn't care who was in the room, it didn't bother me a bit. I remember walking that aisle and just coming down there and saying, man, I, I need this Jesus. Tell me what i got to do. And so that may be you today. You may say, man, I, I need Jesus. I need Him to be Lord of my life. But remember this last illustration. You can be born again, but you can allow weeds to start coming in. And the only way I keep those weeds out is I repent and I say, Lord Jesus, wash me in your blood cleanse me and when I stay in a, in a relationship with him through repentance I stay this way in God's eyes I'm not perfect I'm just forgiven I just live under the blood of Jesus so if you're here this morning and you need to give your heart to Jesus welcome you to come to these altars, or if you just want to stay right there where you're at, if you're more comfortable doing it, just raise your hand to heaven, we'll pray for you to get born again. God loves you that much. Remember, we've all sinned. Here's the next one for you. Have you allowed those weeds to come back in your heart? See, that's what happened to Cain. God over and over tried to get him to repent. And so that just keeps me in right relationship. Are you here today and you need to repent? Just say, Father God, I need a fresh cleansing. I need a fresh washing. God loves you that much. Many of you have been here for years. You understand, I've said this numerous times, the greatest daily vitamin you can take is vitamin C. It isn't calcium, magnesium, or zinc. It's repentance that I just keep my heart and I say, Father God, I come under your blood, your son's blood today and I ask you to grace me today. say, we're coming down here with the blood of the Lamb for my family, my bloodline, and those traditions that came down from my fathers to the third We're going to wash these in the blood of Jesus. We're going to allow the voice of the blood of the Lamb to speak for us today. And we're going to say, Lord Jesus, we repent of those, and we ask you to move with us with as an oil that we want to love you, and we want to obey you with your grace. Help us today. Go ahead, God. Thank listen. you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.